Man, that was just really refreshing. I feel a sense that everybody's excited to be back together after a little time off. Um, and uh, one of the kind of risks that we run with having youth group every week is, is the risk that we run with any like spiritual practices that we kind of come with the same expectations. Like, oh, it's going to be some music. We're going to hang out with some friends and play some carpet ball and then, then the music and then we'll have some teaching time, and then we'll have some small groups. It'll be a great night. But uh, I think that any time that we open up this word is anything but routine. Something can happen in your life, um, in the life of your friend, um, in the lives of this entire community. I believe that because we open up this word that every single one of us can be transformed in a, in a very miraculous way. So we, we take this seriously. So I'm kind of opening this up, not with like, oh, we got a really cool word, but like, dude, I'm opening this up with like fear and trembling. Like what might happen? I want to do diligence with this. It says that like pastors and teachers are going to be judged more harshly because a lot of damage can be done if like I just come up here and say, hey, here's what I think about the scriptures. I want to do a, a really good job of like communicating to you. This is what the word of God says so that we can then like consume it and then we would be changed um, out, out the doors from this place. Because if all we do is come and hear a good word, go, that was cool. Like, we've missed the boat. So um, with that, I just feel like um, prayer is, is appropriate um, once again. So let, let's pray and just kind of posture ourselves. God, thank you so much for, for this space, for this room, for the, the group of people that are in here, the, the leaders that are here. Um, I know that uh, every single seat in this room represents a different story. Um, some that are near to you, some that um, have been near to you but are bored with their faith. I pray that you would just light a fire on, like within their hearts and their souls. Some, some are far from you and don't know you, and I pray that you would just meet them in a radical and intimate way. God, thank you for knowing our name. Thank you for creating us. Thank you for, for not just uh, creating us and, and kicking us to the curb, but creating us, seeing us fall away from you, and then you stooping down on our level to rescue us. What a beautiful story that is. Help us to just uh, rest in that tonight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Um, so there are seven times in Scripture when Jesus says, I am, and then fills in the blank. So it's like the bread, the light, the door, or the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection, and then the way, the truth, the life is one, and then the vine. Um, and with that, um, it's really important that we kind of acknowledge the fact that we live in a very, very opinionated age. Do you know that? Like our age just has opinions. We are almost trained to see something and then quickly jump to a conclusion, um, not just about people, but about businesses, things, like creating a stance on someone or something and then go out all out on that belief. Have you seen this culture? I mean, have you seen this around you or this pressure or this tension? Um, what is interesting about the time that we live is that thoughts are quickly formulated with very, very little information. Have you ever been told that like somebody, I don't know, an example, somebody, this person is really lame. You come to get to know them and it's like, they're actually really amazing but I had such little information. Somebody gave me one little piece of information. I drew a conclusion about that. I have found myself guilty of this. Like looking around or like social media is a huge thing, like scrolling and so quick to formulate an opinion of somebody. You're like, lame, lame, cool. Oh, this, this company is cool. Or like this, this brand is cool. Or this 
business, this church, whatever, without putting much thought or investigation into these opinions at all. Can any of you relate to that? Okay. The only real way to formulate an accurate understanding of someone is to experience them for yourself. The only way to develop an accurate understanding of who is Zachary, well, I'm gonna spend time with him. I'm gonna hang out with him. Dude, what do you like to do? I'm gonna ask him questions. I'm gonna be around him to go to the source of who Zachary is, right? It's easy to define somebody from a distance, but so often it's so far from reality. It's very inaccurate. So this series that we've started is all about getting to know Jesus according to Jesus. Letting Jesus tell us what he's like. Letting, and not just like factually, like Jesus, tell us what you're like. He's like, I'm good, okay. And I'm, I'm, and I'm like really loving, okay. We don't wanna know facts as if somebody wrote like a memoir or something, but like we want to know who he is and then begin relating to him. Almost taking him at his word to say, if this is who you say you are, I'm gonna start acting like that's true and I want you to prove that that is who you are, right? Who do you say... Uh, who do you say that Jesus is? Who is Jesus to you? That's, that's the question that all of us have to answer. And all of us have come in with an answer to that. And I just pray that this would kind of expand on maybe your answer to that. We are raising up a, a community of believers that doesn't just believe in Jesus on a head level, but actually pursue him with our lifestyle. Because how crummy is it when somebody wears the label of Jesus and they live like hell, right? That's what turns people away from Jesus. We wanna say, listen, Jesus is true, and I, I look at my life. That, that, that speaks like my life speaks. It's, a, it's my testimony, it's my sermon, right? So if, if Jesus said that he is the bread of life, we are going to feast on him like he's the very thing that gives our life sustenance. It's like, Jesus, if you said you're bread, I'm gonna chow down on this. Like, I'm gonna mow on this. Like, I eat three meals a day. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need more of this than I need food in a day, right? If Jesus said he's the light of the world, like then we're going to relate to him as if he's the one that guides us. Like if you're a light that guides and show, like if this is a flashlight, like shows where I'm, like I'm gonna treat you like, okay, do I turn left or right here? I don't know, well, what does God's word say? I'm gonna act like what he said is true, right? And today we're on week three of the series and we're talking about Jesus being the door or the gate. Um, depending on what translation you're reading, it'll say, Jesus, I am the door or I am the gate. We'll get to that. But um, let's jump into the text. And I'm just gonna read it straight through. And then we're just gonna kind of pull um, some truths out of this that we can draw and apply to our lives. So here, here it goes. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, this is Jesus talking. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. You tracking so far? The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought, all, brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Uh, Jesus used this uh, figure of speech but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, he's like, come on guys. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come or all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. 
I am the gate. Once again, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Such a strong passage, wouldn't you agree? In order to understand this story, we have to read it within the context of what's going on in John. So it's really easy to just kind of pick out this passage and say, what does Jesus say about the gate? But um, what we learned in Bible college is context is king. Context makes so much difference as to what Jesus is speaking to or what scripture is saying as a whole. Um, So we look at surrounding verses to make sense of the situation in order to fully understand Jesus's words here. So the first part of this section of scripture is like a call out to the Pharisees. The, the religious leaders of the day were, were neglecting to do the very thing that they were called to do. In Greek, the word for shepherd is synonymous with the word like leader or pastor. I think I have something to be like, okay, when you hear shepherd, think leader, spiritual leader, think pastor of some sort. And in order to understand why Jesus is calling them out, we need to go back in the story just before Jesus speaks on this, something happens with a certain blind man. And you may know this. Um, So let's look at the context and the setting of this. In John 9, there is this instance when Jesus sees a blind man sitting outside of the temple. And it's this bizarre story when Jesus like, he spits in the dirt and creates some mud. And what does he do with it? Yeah, puts it on his eyes. And then he says, hey, sir, uh, go to this nearby pool and wash it out. So the man does as he's told. And wouldn't you have it? He's healed. It's crazy. This was the best moment of this guy's life. Blind from birth, he goes, whoa, I can see. He's no longer blind. And it was commonly believed that if you were born with a defect of of this type of degree, it was probably due to generational sin. So historically, you need to keep that in mind. So this man is thinking, heck yes, or heavens yes. Like this, this stereotype is gone. I'm not carrying around like this, this obvious sign that like there's generational sin. I get to go into the temple and worship now. I don't have to sit outside and beg. He's no longer going to be rejected. He can get a job. He can have hobbies now that he's never been able to have. He, he can live without being completely reliant on other people helping him. This is the best day of this man's life. Could you imagine that? You're like, can you imagine that? Your mind's high a little bit? Okay. But what starts out as a great day turns into like a pretty confusing nightmare. So the the Pharisees, the religious leaders, or the shepherds of this day hear about this man's healing, and they start to blame him for lying, like saying, you must be a different guy, or you're faking to be the blind man. And the guy sticks to his story about what really happened. He's like, dude, no, this is what Jesus did. And the Pharisees still don't believe him, so they go to this man's parents And they say, is this guy telling the truth here? And this is so crazy. The man's parents um, are so scared of of what might happen to them that they say, he's an adult, He he can answer for himself. They don't even vouch for him, which is so weird. The man finally speaks up and here's what he says in John 9, 25. He says, whether he, which is Jesus, is a sinner or not, I don't know. And frankly, I don't care because this is the one thing that I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. This guy is getting fed up with being put on trial about Jesus. This, what was supposed to be a really good day is turning into like a pretty crummy trial, right? 
They are ruining this whole experience for him. And this section of scripture, it doesn't end this way, um, but their, their conversation with the Pharisees ends like this. It's so bad. The, the leaders, the shepherds respond to him like this. They, the Pharisees answered him, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. So these shepherds accuse this man for being a sinner from birth because of his previous disability. They are personally offended at this guy's answer. They say, how dare you? Like they're getting this ego. And the text says they threw him out. They threw him out. This scene ends the exact way that it started, sitting outside of the temple, an outcast, unwelcomed, ashamed, unsupported, lost. The very people who are called to protect and draw people into the fold were the very ones tossing this man out. I wonder if anybody in this room has felt that way. I want you to think about that for a minute. Have you ever felt overlooked or unwanted or unwelcomed or pushed to the side or to the outskirts? What happens next is so beautiful here. We get a glimpse of Jesus's character in his heart. It says this in the scriptures, 935. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man. When Jesus heard what happened, he went and sought after this guy once again. The heart of Jesus is to give sight to the blind and to seek those who have been cast out. You have a God who's in pursuit of you. That's some dang good news. That's, that's what a good leader does as well. A good leader, that's what a good shepherd does. Jesus pursues his people. Good leaders pursue people. If you're feeling on the outskirts or feeling unseen, boy, do I have good news for you. I have great news. Jesus isn't like people in this world. Sometimes we have bad experiences with people and we're like, oh, high up leaders must be like that. And Jesus is probably like that. But Jesus isn't like people in the world. Jesus is after you. He sees you, especially, um, man, especially leaders who cast other people out, I think drive Jesus crazy. I think that really gets to him because he goes, dude, I've given my life to draw them in. And, and people with influence are casting people out. Um, there's this similar moment in the Old Testament in Ezekiel 34, when leaders are rebuked for a similar thing. Check this out. It's a long one, but I'll read fast. The word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord said. So this is a word from God through this prophet. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe, that's kind of sounds nasty, but clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they, they, they were scattered because they were, there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every hillside. They were scattered over the whole earth and no one searched or looked for them. These leaders should have been helping the sheep or helping the people, but what were they doing instead? They were hurting the people. They should be comforting and drawing people in, and they were actually instilling fear into them. They are scattering them among the nations. Instead of fulfilling their duty of providing safety, they're actually inflicting harm. And Jesus is calling them out for that. And I just want to take a pause right there. If you've been hurt by the church in any way um, or have felt like you um, needed to be comforted in some way and you were actually harmed, I just, as a church leader, just want to apologize and say that's not the heart of God. 
That's not the heart of Jesus. Throughout Jesus's ministry, he's constantly seeking to protect the sheep. He's constantly looking for people to protect. He is filled with compassion. Like, listen to Matthew 9, 36. This is a time when Jesus is up on this hillside in Jerusalem, and he's looking out at all these people. I kind of imagine him like up above Portland, like looking out at Portland. And this is what it says. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus has compassion on those who have been hurt or feel stranded without leadership in their life. And today, I have three simple points I want to make in regards to the text. And the first one is this, this comes straight out of the text, is beware of thieves and robbers. According to this story that Jesus tells, a thief or a robber enters into the sheep pen, not through the gate, but sneaks in, you know, and tries to to trick the sheep. But it's important to note, um, a true sheep, uh, shepherd and sheep relationship cannot be duped. It cannot be tricked. This this illusion or this illusion. This it's not an illusion. It's an illustration. It tells us to be aware of the voices that we're listening to. What voice are you listening to? We need to to make sure that we know who we are following. What what would happen is these robbers would come in and they would start calling on the sheep or telling them where to go or what to do. Like, give me a sheepy, 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 you know, like, ah, come on. Like they would, and, and what would happen is they would go the other direction because they would know the voice of their shepherd. They'd go, that doesn't sound like Harold. <laughs> that sounds like somebody else, right? The, the scriptures clarify that true sheep are able to discern the voice of the shepherd and the voice, and the voice of a stranger. They could tell the differences. And I want that to be true about us. I want that to be true about us. When, when we have thoughts that pop into our minds that are untrue of us, man, I want to know the voice that's true. Like when we are tempted, like, mm, should I? Like, nope, that's not true. That's not something that I need to pursue. When we need to make decisions, when it comes to decision-making, man, what's the truest voice? When people are speaking into our lives, can we discern what's true and what's false? But we need to be able to discern what Jesus says about us. And and the only way we can do that is when we know his voice. So the question I have for you is, are you in tune with his voice? Do you know what his character is like? Do you know what kind of things he talks to you about? Um, The gatekeeper, this is John 10, 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice, right? He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He's like, come on, Nathaniel. You know, come on, Jaden. This, this is the incredible like, relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So during the Palestinian uprising in the 1980s, which is not very long ago, the decided that they were going to punish some of the, the Palestinian villagers for refusing to pay taxes. So there's this village here, they're getting punished, and the officers in charge of this village confiscated like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sheep from all, all the shepherds in the village, and they put them in this giant sheep pen. So imagine this village is ticked off. There's ton, There's like a whole sea of sheep. They're basically saying, we are going to withhold your livelihood until you start paying taxes, you filthy animals. So toward the end of the week, one lady comes forward and she begs. She's like, please give me my sheep back. She's a widow. Um, she has very little resource. It's her only source of provision. She explained that she would literally die without access to these sheep. So the soldiers have mercy, and they, but they go, well, what, do, what are we going to do? How do we know what sheep belong to her? And, and he doesn't know like how many sheep this 
woman had to begin with. And, and she said, no problem, my sheep know me. My sheep know me, and I can discern who is who. And, and the soldier doesn't believe her because there's very few visible markings. Like, they don't have ear tags like they do today. Like, she couldn't describe them, right? You wouldn't really trust. It's like, that white one over there, you know? It's like, oh, good one. So the soldier is, is wondering, how do I know you aren't lying to me and going to steal a bunch of sheep? And the soldier decides, if you can get your sheep to come to you, I'll believe you and you can have them back. So, so her son shows up. This is a real story I was reading. Her son, son shows up with a, a flute, which was common for um, shepherds. And he started playing a song. That was the exact song. And the, the sheep that belonged to this woman, it's phenomenal. The, this story, it goes into much more detail. You should read it. But they're like, bah, like that's our song, dude. That's our song, yo. And there was kind of like this weird thing where the sheep like that it belonged to the lady are like looking at each other like, bro, Kevin, that's our song. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's go, like, let's get out of here. Our, our lady's back, right? And 25 of the sheep randomly come out of the pack and this boy just keeps playing and he's walking and the sheep follow him all the way home. And they, they had spent so much time together that they recognized their own call. In a sea of sheep, they knew their shepherd's song. Isn't that amazing? Don't, don't, I mean, I, I dream for that to be true of you. Man, you're at your, you're at a, your school. Some of you are homeschooled, but imagine with me, you're at a public school, sea of people, and you can hear the voice of Jesus. A sea of, of voices, people playing songs, other people going, bah, like noise, noise. And out of the, in the chaos, in the craziness, you hear, and you're like, that's, that's, that's who I need to be led by. That's who I need to follow. Where is that coming from? Me and Allison have this, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but we have this weird thing in the store. If we can't find each other, I go, and she literally is like, over here, babe, you know, but then that's the ringtone. So like half the time it's somebody's phone going off and she's like over here. And she just looks weird talking to herself. But, but this is a, this is an amazing thing. Like the text shows that Jesus is radically personal. Like our shepherd, Jesus knows us. He doesn't just play a song. He can actually call you out by name. That's our good shepherd. It gets, it gets crazier. Like he knows your name. So some shepherds are known for naming their sheep individually. And when a sheep is headed towards danger or they're getting behind, which you'll find out next week, Luke's talking on this, that sheep are really, really stupid. And when they're getting, getting left behind or they're in danger or whatever, um, the shepherd can call out to the specific name of that sheep and it will come running. You know, isn't that pretty crazy? I was gonna make up a name for a sheep, but I've ran out of names. But in our world, we have all sorts of voices trying to get us to follow them. Uh, but, but we are fighting for Jesus to be the loudest and the clearest voice in our life, one that has authority over our lives, that when he says, come on, we go, okay. I trust you. You're a good shepherd. I trust you. What is the loudest voice in your life? If you don't know what the loudest voice in your life is, just look at the direction in which your life is headed. Jesus comes along. Um, when you hear my voice, he says, when you hear my voice, you won't want to listen to any other voice. You won't want to trust any other voice. I, I have good intentions for you. 
That's what Jesus means here. Get to know my voice and learn to follow it. We learn Jesus's voice in a couple of ways that I want to point out here. One of these is the written word of God. Um, listen to and read. Oh, go back. Yeah, listen to. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Listen to and. Oh, nope. Go back. There we go. Listen to and read the written word of God. So, um, this is one of the clearest voices of Jesus. Literally, his voice is in this, and the whole entire story of Jesus coming to rescue his kids is in this book. The more we know it, um, the better it's going to be. We have a bunch of apps here. The Dwell Bible app is absolutely money. It's pretty crazy because it has like every version of the Bible, and then it's like, do you want a girl reading it to you, or do you want a British girl reading it to you, (laughs) or do you want a boy reading it, or do you want like a villager boy? Like, it's pretty, it's, it's awesome. It's like, what mood am I in? What kind of, like, do I want the intellectual, like, in Genesis? You know, it's like, and then Lectio 365 is this beautiful, like, both scripture and prayer and, like, stillness. It's like, it kind of leads you through and reads it to you, and it's like, pause. And, dude, Streetlights is awesome. It's the whole Bible, but it's like, and it's, it's like, Ephesians 5. Here's, you know, and they, it's almost like a rap, but like if you're like at the gym, you just want to listen to it and you kind of get it in your mind in a whole new way. It's so cool. And then the Version Bible app is just your classic Bible app. But if you're thinking, dude, I don't have apps. I don't have a phone. Who do you think I am? There's the, you've already seen it, but I thought this would be funny. There's actually this thing called an actual Bible and it has it in there, all the stuff. You might have to beatbox and rap to it, but you can do it. Um, And then finally, uh, another way to hear the voice of Jesus is prayer. And you might be like, dude, I don't like praying though. I'm just gonna sit there and like pray. Are you serious? Dude, there's so many different ways that you you can pray. You can like, anybody like pacers when you're on the phone? Like I'm walking around the house. Okay, a few pacers. Maybe some of you are pacers when you pray and you hate praying because all you do is you think it just is like sitting here like, dear Lord. Dude, go on a walk. Do a prayer walk. Dude, journal through your prayers. Go. Did you know we have a prayer room at our church that's open um, probably when you're in school, but we could figure it out if you wanted to come at some other time? Um, or silence and stillness. Like maybe some of you are like, I just need some stillness in my life and that's gonna be the place that I connect to Jesus and kind of listen to his voice. Because prayer is a two-way conversation. It's not like a, I just tell Jesus what I think. It's like, Holy Spirit, come. What, what do you think? It's a, it's a place to listen. So continuing on, point two that the scripture re- reveals to us is that Jesus is our protection. It says this, truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And then later on, again, over here, it says, I am the gate for the sheep. Um, and the shepherd, or in this case, Jesus is saying, I'm literally the gate. I'm a shepherd, but I'm a gate. And, and go ahead and go to this next picture here. This is kind of what the, sh- the sheep pen looked like. This is really fascinating. The shepherd would stand, sit, or lay literally at the gateway. They would literally sit there or chill there or guard there. Um, and this is so fascinating as if to say, if you are going to come after my sheep, you're gonna have to come after me first. You're gonna have to come through me. This is the best stinking news of all time. When Jesus says that he is the gate, do you see how profound that is? Like when we enter through Jesus, when, when, when he is the one who we come in through, hey Jesus, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Come on through buddy, right? When we do that, 
when, when he is the one we come through, he becomes our protector. Dude, that's a safe place to be. Like that means when you have Jesus, in order for someone to get to you, they have to get through him first. But do you know that Jesus always has victory, right? Do you see the, how profound? Like I have an older brother. Anybody have older siblings? Lots of people. Okay, you might know this. And I remember in high school how awesome it was and terrible it was. Like at home, my brother would be like, like shredding me all the time. And, and at school, no one was allowed to mess with me. Maybe you have the same relationship with your sibling. Um, it was like, dude, only I can pick on my brother. If you're going to do anything to him, you have to come through me first. Like I'll beat him when I get home, you know what I'm saying? But don't touch him. And no one wanted to mess with my brother, okay? M magnify that a ton, okay? Jesus, the, the one who has victory over sin and death, um, Dude, he had, people have to come through him. I think he wins, okay? Um, next week, we're going we're gonna to read about how um, Jesus is the good shepherd, how he lays his life down for the sheep. Um, and then th this verse continues on, that the enemy has come to steal. Okay. But get this, the enemy cannot touch those who have the protection of Christ. He's going to come and steal from you. He wants to kill, and he wants to destroy but if we have the protection of Christ, it ain't happening, brother. Like the problem um, with this talk though, is that many of us aren't really sure that we're in that much danger. Like you're hearing me out and you're like, really though? Like you might be thinking, I don't think the boogie monster is gonna come after me or get me or something. Like I think I'm good. Like, ooh, what's gonna happen, <laughs> right? Um, but I want you to truly consider how vulnerable you really are. Sheep are insanely vulnerable. I think that's why we're constantly referred to as sheep. We're so vulnerable. There's so many things out of control. Like right now, it might be like, dude, I'm young and healthy, right? I've got, I've got that going for me. Like, but really think about that. Your health, dude, that could change in no time. Your, your well-being, your, your family, the state of this world, we already know that that's so fickle up and down. Who knows? It is inevitable that tragedy will strike, but we can have a protector for our souls, like when we are submitted to Jesus. We can have a protector that will protect all, like he truly can protect us. All hell can break loose in this world and we can have the peace of heaven. Don't you want that? Like I don't even, I, the worst thing, like I, that's where I want to be in life where it's like the worst of the worst of the worst thing that I can possibly imagine happened and I can go, Jesus has still got me. Like Jesus is still in protecting this situation. Don't you want that? I thought this was so interesting in my study this week. Um, I read that hired help in the ancient world was not responsible for um, attacks from wild animals. So let me explain. If you were a shepherd and you need to be gone, you're going to go on a vacation or something, you, you hired or, like a fill-in shepherd. He was like a substitute teacher, okay? And, a, and, a, and say a wild animal tried to attack the flock, you were not only allowed to, but instructed to grab the weakest sheep of the pack and throw them to the enemy. <laughs> like, don't try to imagine it too much. And then get all of the sheep into the pen. That they were actually allowed to do that. The sheep were constantly vulnerable. In the pen, there, there are robbers even calling your name. On the outside, there's animals attacking. Um, uh, and, and, and this is what uh, 1 Peter instructs us to do. Be alert and of sober mind. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I, I don't want you to miss uh, that word that's italicized right there. Your enemy prowls around like a lion. Like the enemy may be intimidating. He may be like prowling around, but we have a lion that actually protects us and he wins every single time. He's called the Lion of Judah. So we might be intimidated, like, roar, and you're like, dude, but roar, you know what I'm saying? It's like, dude, I might be intimidated by that, but I have a protector that will beat you out 100 times out of 100 times. Like hired help in the ancient world, um, like might be, might be like uh, throwing people out, but our, our savior isn't like that. He's like, dude, I'm not gonna toss a sheep out there. I'm actually gonna protect the sheep and I'm a lion that's actually worth being scared of, okay? Number three. Jesus is the only way to the abundant life, to an abundant life. John 10, 10, I, Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A better translation isn't um, full here. It's actually overflowing so that you may have an overflowing life. The Greek term means uh, surplus, which is like excess or above and beyond. Your life will be so full, um, so full of life that you won't know what to do with it all. It'll just spill out into other people, like, and if you, um, this is the caveat, like, if you don't follow Jesus and things feel full, one thing you can know for sure is that the enemy will take it away. I just have to be honest here. If it's like, dude, my life is really full, though. Things are going really good. I mean, I don't have Jesus, but it's really, I hate to be the breaker of bad news, but without Christ, you have been fooled into believing a lie. Everything good in your life will be taken. It will come to an end. It will be destroyed. We must know who we are following. We must know. Psalm 121, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going. And I love this part right here, both now and forever. Now and eternity. He offers an eternal life later, but it's also an overflowing life today. If if that is true, we better know who we're following. How much of a shame would it be to just follow an, old, follow an old voice, any old voice? Hey, come on, I'll follow that. And only to come to find out that it was a fraud. Like, you tricked me. You promised me life. Like, it would be much like, have any of you heard of the fire Festival? Okay, a couple people. Okay, this is good. This is gonna be good then. The fire Festival, let's just go to that first slide. The fire Festival, doesn't that look good? The fire Festival was like an influencer-motivated music festival in the Bahamas. This happened in, in 2017, and one guy got a group of influencers to fly into the Bahamas and then shoot this really extravagant, like, amazing video of, like, I couldn't show the video because it was kind of inappropriate, but, like, people laying on the beach and swimming and listening to these amazing bands. And they were basically advertising the music festival of all music festivals. Everybody who's anybody, anybody, every, yeah, everybody who's anybody will be there. Go to this next one. Like this is another screenshot of the video. It's like, dude, just imagine your friends like lifting you up above the crowd and you're like, yes, the fire festival. Like the, 
The advertisement was exquisite. There was yachts. There was like jet skis. They also went to that little island where it's just like tons of pigs everywhere. And they're like playing with the pigs. And it's like, yes. And, and you have your own cabana on the beach. The, is, it advertises the best food ever, island cuisine. It showed you like the menu. Um, even celebrities, this is crazy. A couple celebrities were paid $250,000 to just post on Twitter, I'm going to Fire Festival. Who's in? $250,000. So as you can imagine, there's tons of people getting in on this. So get this, it's gaining traction. There's gaining hype. Over 5,000 elites, like these influencers, paid anywhere between 1,500 was the price, but then it was $12,000 is as high as you could pay to like, depending on what experience you wanted, like the private cabana or like, you know what I'm saying? This event promised the world. Like, don't you want to go to this already? I'm like, oh, I'm missing out. So thousands of people spending thousands of dollars commit to this extravagant experience. They wanted all that was promised to them, but what they got was an absolute stinking nightmare. They wanted everything and they received nothing. The creator of the fire Festival wasn't looking out for the people, he was looking out for himself. Um, let's just go to this next slide here. They actually set up Hurricane survival tents, they were like, oh shoot, tons of people are coming. We don't have space for them. So that these people get off the, off the plane and they actually get, oh, go to this next one. They get off a school bus and there's like outhouses and these survival tents. The weather's really crummy as well. Go to this next one here. I love this, expectation versus This is the cabana they were supposed to be staying in along the water and this is the reality in which they were chilling. You know what I'm saying? Go to the last one here. This is dinner. This is what they were eating. The dinner that Fire Festival promised, um, promised us was catered by this guy. Literally bread, cheese, and salad with dressing. That's the island cuisine that was promised? Are you kidding me? This is what the enemy likes to do, okay? Like, I'm running with this illustration, but to promise the world and steal from you. Like, to promise the world only to leave you lifeless, like on the side of the beach, that's not even a beach. Like, really? This, like, a little kiddie pool. Like, what? Like, promise the world only to destroy what was promised to you. The enemy's tactics are so sneaky. They're so sneaky. Um, have, you, have, you, have you seen this to be true? Have you seen this to be true? Like, have you ever been promised something? Like, this is really going to fulfill you. And then you're like, ah, crud, it just didn't come through. Like, have you had your heart set on an item or a relationship, or an achievement, thinking when I finally get this, life will finally be good, and when you finally receive it, receive it, it is nothing compared to what it had promised. You're like, eh, it wasn't that good. Like, it completely under-delivered. Like, I remember wanting, this is gonna make me sound really old, but I remember wanting a smartphone in high school. You're like, what, wow, how old are you? Believe it or not, I'm 45. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what? I'm just joking, now I feel young. <laughs> no. Um, sorry for the leaders that are older than that, but, um, so, so I worked really hard. I was, never mind, never mind. So uh, I, no, I can't, so I, I worked really hard. I saved up money and I got a smartphone. Okay. It was really rad. And I thought it was so cool for about a week. It completely underdelivered because it was insanely expensive. I don't know if you know this, but when you buy a phone, it's not like a one-time payment. It's like all of a sudden you have a phone bill that, ha that has internet, you know? Here's a, here's a thing, when you're, when you're out on your own and don't have to pay for it, you'll know, you know what I mean. But um, 
So it, it did not deliver, okay? No one else had one in school, which was really awkward because I'm like, I'm gonna be so cool. And then it's like, what's that weird kid doing on his phone in the corner? Like, none of us have phones, that's, that's lame. Like, um, it didn't give me the, I played Paper Toss was like the game. You ever know that game? I played Paper Toss for hours and then I realized I had no friends. <laughs> so I'm like, this is stupid. It didn't give me the life that I thought I would have, so I returned it a week later. Luke knows the whole story, he was there. And I wonder what things are calling your name. Similarly, what items, lifestyle, relationship, academics, sports achievements, what things are promising you life but are actually nothing but a fire festival? Promising to give you life, leaving you completely disoriented. Um, I've heard it illustrated like this too. The enemy's kind of like a, a, a bullfighter or like a matador, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, come on, the bull comes, hey! You know what I'm saying? Hey, whoa! You know, it's like, come on, Come, come towards, like dangling something in front of you only to rip away contentment at the last moment. I bet some of you have felt that way before. Like it promises everything. You have your aim set on this and as soon as you get it, you're like, wait, where did that go? What the heck? I thought I was gonna run into something cool and now I don't even know where I'm at and now this jerk is over here and then you get ticked and you start running after all these things. The enemy writes checks he can't cash. But get this, get this. We have a savior who has paid for your life in full. He has paid for your joy and your contentment and your safety in full. If he has promised that he will offer you safety and that he is the gate, if Jesus says that he is the gate, he will fulfill it. If he says that he's gonna protect you, I, I dare you to test that. Say, okay, you said you're gonna protect me. You said you're gonna be with me. I'm gonna follow you with everything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give up the things that I'm pursuing um, to pursue you. I want you to reorient my heart. I want to pursue the things you want me to pursue because you said that you're gonna protect me as we do this. Um, Romans 10, 11, I pray this gives you so much relief. Everyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. I know there's been a lot of shame in this room. Maybe you've experienced shame. Believe in the Lord, pursue the Lord. You won't have to live in shame. When we follow him, we, don't, we, we will not be turned away or let down because we did not believe a lie. You will not be let down. You won't come to the end of following Jesus and it turn out to be a fire festival. We didn't read a false advertisement. We went through the gate and we have his protection. Um, I wanna end like this. There's this uh, parable that Jesus tells us in, in Matthew 25 and it's of 10 bridesmaids. Here's the scene, 10 bridesmaids. It's a unique story with all sorts of cultural realities. You may have questions, but I just want to touch on it briefly to make the point. But there are 10 women who took 10 lamps to go and meet this groom, okay? I don't know all the, all the reasons here. It sounds kind of weird to me, but track with me. The story says that five of the bridesmaids took with them oil in a jar to keep their lamps going, right? And the other five just had lamps with no extra oil five and five. And the groom was taking like a super long time like they do. And it says that the 10 ladies fell asleep like they do. Um, I'm just, I, when the groom was, was finally like shows up and he arrives, the girls wake up and they go, oh my gosh, he's here. They all lit their lamps. However, five of the ladies didn't bring extra oil, remember? And, and their lamps went out. They're like, oh shoot, we don't know where we're going. We don't know. So, so those five girls without oil ran to the store to buy some oil. And then they came back to the wedding. When they arrived there, the door was shut and the wedding had started. I have nightmares similar to this. 
and I'm the one without the oil going, what the heck, let me in. And I usually have to preach a sermon that I can't come into and everyone's mad at me, but that's for a different time. But get this, Matthew 25, later, so later the others, the five who left to go get oil also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. And here's the point. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. So there is some urgency to this reality of Jesus being the gate. Um, The door for joy and hope and safety and salvation is wide open for you today, right now. It's wide stinking open and Jesus is standing there saying, come, come. Jesus, the protector who has come to heal and to seek and save lost people is drawing us in like a good shepherd does, promising us an abundant life that he can deliver on now and forevermore. But let's be honest, one day the door will be shut. The scriptures talk a lot about this. The door of salvation is open today and we aren't promised tomorrow. Friends, I want you on the right side of the door. I want you on the right side of the gate. I want you to taste the abundant life now and forever. Don't let today go by without coming to Jesus. He, like his offer is too stinking good to refuse. Like, um, who is it? St. Augustine is like, Lord, um, says, Lord, change my heart, but not today. <laughs> Don't harden your heart towards the Lord. Because sometimes we want to hold out. It's like, dude, let me, let me just date this person a little longer. Let me just do this a little bit longer. Don't harden your heart. Man, we don't have a whole lot of time. That's not to instill fear. That's in, to instill urgency that the Lord has good plans for you. I want you to be on the right side of the door. I want you to taste the abundant life. Um, there is this, this urgency to the invitation. And for those of you who have come to Jesus, I hope you're here like, ah, like breathing deeply, knowing that you have a protector. Like if you're feeling unsafe, like, dude, the Lord is, is here to protect you, then, and you get to live in that abundance now and forever. So keep growing in familiarity with his voice so that when he calls your name, you can, res- you can respond speedily, right? Isn't, isn't that such good news? For those of us who know Jesus, man, what, what, a, what a, an amazing reality to live in. Um, there's this unique concept found all throughout scripture. I've talked about it before. Um, it's how the gospel is radically inclusive, and it's radically exclusive. Um, and, and here's what I mean, is that anyone can come, but he's the only way. This is all throughout scripture. Anybody can come. The invitation is for all, but he is the only way. The door is open to all, but the only way to receive what he, is off, he offers is coming through him. Like if you have yet to come to Jesus, today is the day. I'd really love for you to talk to your small group leader or come and talk to me after this. If you're like, Listen, I want to come through the gate of Jesus, and I want to be a part of what this is all about. Um, And if you have come to him and you're sitting here and saying, yep, then I just encourage you, continue to cling to him with all that you have, because he truly will protect you. So with that, let me pray for you. Jesus, we are so grateful that that you are the gate. You You are the literal gate that provides us protection and that is wide open for us to come into, and you will fulfill the promises that you've given us. What you... We take you at your word. If you say that you'll protect us, we say we take you at your word and we are going to treat you as if you are our protector, Lord Jesus. We surrender to you. We cling to you. For those of you or for those in, the, in this room, um, Jesus, that have not accepted you and come into the gate, I just pray for boldness and for, I just pray against any hesitation um, so that they may come in and know you 
um, and be protected by you, God. We love you. Thank you for, for caring for us the way that you do. And uh, thank you for smelling like sheep. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.